The following presentation has been brought to you by HSF Productions. Hey guys, welcome back to IWP, the Impromptu Wrestling Podcast. We are your hosts, I'm Tally006. Over to my left, as always, is my brother Damien. How's it going this week? I'm doing really well, bud. How are you? Doing alright, you know. I was uh, fighting a headache all day today. A little under the weather, but it's podcast day, so you know what that means. Cold beers and wrestling. Some beers. Um... Just want to, uh, before we get into the show, want to let everybody know that we do offer an audio-only version. If you're watching us on YouTube right now, you can find us on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Breaker, and Google Podcasts. So if you uh, check us out on the audio-only versions of the show, leave it in the comments down below where you guys are, are uh, listening to the audio-only versions. Or if you're still watching on YouTube, that's great too. Um, Make sure you like, subscribe, follow, subscribe, whatever each of these platforms allows you to do. Make sure you're uh, followed, subscribed, so you're always up to date on when every episode goes live. Is every Saturday, <laughs> but we got a we got a big show coming up for you uh, this week. Uh, we got a couple uh, items on breaking kayfabe. BTE, AEW Dark, AEW Dark, sorry, and uh, I gotta say, one of the greatest 180s in in AEW history from week to week episodes. I can't wait to talk about that a little bit more. But why don't you? Uh, why don't we get right into breaking kayfabe and let's talk some uh, let's talk some news. Let's do it. So this came out last week. And I hummed and hawed about throwing it in. Um, it's getting a little bit more traction out there, so I figured we better talk about it this week. The Ken Shamrock, UFC Hall of Famer, you know, former Intercontinental Champion WWE. He was part of the corporation. He was a he was kind of a int- I, I don't want to say integral, but he was a big part of the Attitude Era in WWE. He, after his WWE run, he went back to the UFC, had some great fights with Tito Ortiz, if you remember that big feud, and uh, he ended up landing in uh, Impact Wrestling the last few years. Um, I think he's been in and out of the company over the last 20 years. So he's still been a part of professional wrestling. With that said, Impact Wrestling is inducting Ken Shamrock into their Hall of Fame. And he took to Twitter, which is interesting. And we'll talk about this here in a second. But he took to Twitter to ask The Rock himself if he would post and record uh, an induction message, basically, for Ken Shamrock. Um, I have the tweet up, up on the screen right now. At The Rock. Hey, brother, I'm being inducted into the Impact Wrestling Hall of Fame. I would be very grateful if you could send an induction greeting. After all, I believe my time with you was my greatest memories in wrestling. Thank you. 
and it wasn't too much uh it wasn't too long later it was actually just a couple uh couple of hours later the rock replies congrats my brother awesome news i'll take care of this and get back to you this weekend so i mean the the news the articles were written the rock impact confirmed <laughs> no but <laughs> they the wish. rock the rock will appear i mean it'll be you know self shot video format i'm sure but the rock is going to appear on impact wrestling this is really big news he's doing this i'm assuming without the blessing of vince mcmahon not that he's under contract or anything like that but this is this is big news what do you think about all this It it is interesting that, like you said, he he went to Twitter to do this. You, you'd think that if you're enough of a bud with somebody, that you would like phone them up and and have this in a private conversation. So, I feel like there's some strategy or some reason why it was posted on Twitter. I I, I don't know what that is though. I've read I've read some speculations out there. I never thought of this myself. Uh, I'm taking this from somebody, but they're like, well, if if Ken Shamrock posts this um, proposal online and The Rock says no, he looks like a jerk. So it kind of puts him in a in a corner, puts The Rock in a corner to where, well, I got I got to I got to really do this. Where if he calls him in private, no one knows about it. Then maybe he can say no easily or easily. Yeah. That's that's the speculation. But I mean, he could I ignore it. I I'm sure I'm sure the rock gets fifty thousand mentions right. on Twitter a day. So Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Um I mean I watched the Attitude Era and I remember a few like IC title uh matches between these guys, but the way he sound it's like they went on this like two-year run together feuding and it's just like i don't, I don't remember this but I'm, i mean it must have happened <laughs> but uh yeah i i don't really remember that much about ken Shamrock at that time he he was a secondary possibly third <laughs> you know right. third tier guy he was a yeah he was a lower mid carter at best but you know, he was in WWE at the time where they wanted legitimate athletes, right? Like we had Dan Severin was a big feud of his, um, a legit UFC champion as long as, as well as Ken Shamrock. You had Mark Henry coming in at that time. A couple years later, Kurt Angle. Like the WWE was really going after these legitimate athletes, if you will. So yeah, like he had a spot in, his comp in the company, but, um, you know. It is what it is, but I yeah. mean, congratulations if Impact feels he deserves a spot. I, I'm sure this is Don Callis and and um, and uh, Scott Demore. This this is their decision. Essentially, they must feel like he's had a, enough of a of an impact on on the business for them to put them in in his Hall of Fame. And I don't know. I, I might have to tune in. This is gonna all happen at Bound for Glory, October 24th. So a couple weeks from now. I might have to tune in just to see The Rock on Impact Wrestling. I just think it'll be cool. Right, yeah. 
Okay, let's move on to a, a quick little uh, piece of business here. All Elite Wrestling has changed their at on Twitter. It is no longer at AE Wrestling. It is now just at AEW. So, I mean, not huge news by any means, but uh, I'm assuming this this Twitter handle was taken at, at time of uh, inception, and uh, it's taken them a while to buy out whoever had it or... I think there's some rules where if if the person holding on to the account hasn't tweeted in so long that it's up for grabs or something. Needless to so, say, All Elite <clears throat> Wrestling is Can at you even AEW. make a three-character handle? Maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe, yeah, they had to have so many stipulations first. I don't know. Yeah. But... That's the news. Um, one more. It's piece. a lot better. It's a lot better handle. Yeah, yeah. AE wrestling. wrestling was really. I mean, I'm glad there's autofill sometimes. <laughs> Let's just say that. Uh, last piece of news on the on the docket. Did I say that right? I don't. Know. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. <laughs> uh, the ratings for this past week that we're about to cover uh, in this episode. AEW puts up a, a decent number at 866,000. Um, there was a peak number that we'll talk about later in the show um, that uh, was a lot higher, which is really surprising. NXT brings in 732,000. But the champ of the night, you might think it was the uh, presidential debate, but it's uh, the South Park pandemic episode crushes the Wednesday night ratings with 2.3 million viewers. Wow. That's insanity. South Park just dominating the wrestling. What would you think of, of these ratings this week? Yeah, I mean, uh, consistently AW ahead of NXT, and, and, and that's all good stuff. And, you know, I think the South Park thing is just a... It's a it was a special, right? It was a one-time, one-time deal. It was so, an hour-long episode or something like that. Yeah. So I think when these special events happen, you know, presidential debates and things like that, then it, it kind of skews the, the numbers for a week. But uh, I thought AEW did really, really well. I mean, almost 900,000. That's a decent number for, like you said, there's a big special South Park episode, presidential debate was going on um the same night i believe or it was the night after can't remember when it all went down but uh yeah decent number this week and like i mentioned um the opening segment of this week's dynamite brought in over a million viewers so okay uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more uh when that time comes but... everybody was hoping cody was gonna open the show <laughs> maybe but uh all right let's move on to being the elite we had episode 223, Sour Patch Kids. Um, this was another miss for me. This was not a great episode. We had a, a crappy episode, then we had a really good episode, and now we're back to a crappy episode. I like Not even the Dark Order was really hitting for me on, on this week. It all started with that cold open that was yeah. over five plus minutes long, and not funny yeah Something we just already way seen yeah like like we we buried the segment last week where 
Brandon's on the phone with, with Hangman, we're assuming. And uh, I forget Jabroni's name there, but he's scarfing down the, the angel food cake uh, behind Brandon's back. And we we're like, yeah, it just, oh, yeah. Mega it, just, it just went too long. And here they go and make the exact same mistake with the exact same joke. Um, and yeah, five minutes in and, and I, I'm already not even watching it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does seem like they're, they're lacking a bit of uh story at the moment. Uh, we'll see where that goes. I, I think the, the best segments for me was, um, Dark Order singing Cody's music, entrance oh, music and the something, something Cody Rhodes part. It was hilarious. Um, the Cutler cam. Oh, in the uh, the truck? only time I'll probably ever ever say that the color cam was a good part of BTE, but I thought it was interesting how how they work the show and how the there's all the cameras and how they call it out. I thought that was really interesting, and then and then Eddie Kingston, it, it, he he's gonna be like Dark Order every time he's on BTE. It's right. gonna be. You know, very few times he misses, and, and I thought he had a really good part in this one. But yeah, overall, it was a it was a stinker of an episode. You bring up the uh, Cutler cam in the production truck, and I'm like, I could do that. I do that for our show. <laughs> Multi cams, yeah, switching that's totally the cameras. True. Uh, <laughs> uh, for everybody listening, uh, when uh, when Jeff and I watch wrestling he's constantly criticizing the camera guys and i guess it's not the camera guy's fault now right it's no it's, it's the not. guy in the truck saying you know you need to to flip to this one so yeah for sure um but you know what i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna call out another segment that i thought was really well done and for me the most entertaining part and i can't believe these words are gonna come out of my mouth but oh, i know what you're gonna say yeah, yeah. but spanglish spanglish was good this week I don't know what it was, but, you know, we get Alex uh, Abrihentis. Uh, he's coming down the stairs, and it's it's almost like he's going to do the normal Spanglish thing, but then he throws to this, like, special edition, and we get this, like, Spanish soap opera kind of gimmick between uh, Ortiz and Dasha, and Thunder Rosa makes a, an appearance. Uh, was it Orange Cassidy comes into the room, or was it? Kip Sabian. Kip Sabian, that's right. I saw sunglasses and uh, I got distracted. <laughs> but yeah, it was all very, very funny. Um, it reminded me of a, of a stand-up comedian, uh, uh, Pablo Francisco, that we both like, who makes fun of Spanish, uh, Spanish uh, soap operas and and stuff like that. And I was just, I was just waiting for, por qué, por qué Maria? <laughs> like I, was, I thought someone was gonna get like super intense, but uh, yeah. But instead, uh, <clears throat> Ortiz does the crying, just like uh, Pablo says it was. I, I was <laughs> I was super entertained by Spanglish this week. Yeah, I think the fact that it wasn't, you know, about a word and then they were, you know, kind of giving a definition. Uh, they actually had a story this week. And, uh, I mean, I did not expect the ending to right. that. So hopefully they do that again. It was more interesting what they've done in the past. Yeah, we'll see if uh, this becomes a, a weekly bit 
you know, much like uh, some of the other long-term storytelling we've had on BTE in the past. Like, not as good, but the Luchasaurus saga looking for his tail. Like, I mean, at least it followed up week by week and, and it did something. You know, this is this is something I can get on board with, with the, with the Spanglish crew. I enjoyed it. It was... um. And yeah, that was basically it. I mean, we got to see a public swole announcement. There's nothing really new there. It's just weak, weak promo work by by Big Swole. And it is what it is. Ended off the show with best friends uh, trying to uh, trying to trick Silver into or trying to get Silver to kill Brandon Cutler for them. And he takes it a little too literally. And uh, the best friends kind of get on Silver's case for, for taking it a little too far. And, you know, the episode kind of ends with Brandon on the ground and the camera fading to black. So uh, we'll see where that goes. I don't know. John, John Silver is the man. Uh, every now and then I'll, I'll read the comments of what people thought about the episode. And he is so over. Like oh, yeah. everybody loves John Silver. And it wasn't too many episodes uh, of this show ago where we weren't thinking too highly of these, these two guys. <laughs> well, I mean, they've been on a roll for a solid two months, I feel. But yeah, it wasn't that long ago that it was Long John Silver and Alex Riley. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But we've given them the respect they deserve. You know, it's it's John Silver and Alex Reynolds now. I mean, again, overall, it was a rare miss, but it had its moments, as it always does. But uh, it was it was a miss for me this week. Let's uh, keep the show rolling and get right into AEW Dark. This was episode 53 from Daily's Place. Um, not so supersized of an episode this week, but uh, still pretty big. Yeah, only nine matches this week. Uh, I'll quickly go through them. In the first match, we had Ray Rosas. Rosas? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> you know what? I didn't even watch Dark this week. So uh, <laughs> we're going to rip through this Rosas. <laughs> and Ryzen, uh, which I like. I like Ryzen. He's good. Against uh, SCU. Kazarian and Scorpio Sky, they go over in this one. Um, I, I thought it was interesting that Scorpio Sky was a part of this match since he's supposed to be going in a singles direction. Did you find it weird that he was tagging up this week with Kazarian? Yeah, and I mean, we touched on this um, uh, last week on the uh, late night Dynamite the Tuesday episode um, where he kind of lost where his character was. All of a sudden he was the blue chipper baby face all of a sudden helping his opponent up, shaking his hand, congratulating him on a great match. And now he's back in the tag team picture. I think what the idea behind this is, is that it was going to be Scorpio sky and Kazarian, the first ever AEW tag team champions going up against current, AEW Tag Team Champions FTR on this week's episode of Dynamite. So maybe this was a, a tune-up of some sorts. Let's make sure we're still, you know, clicking on all cylinders here. I, I'm guessing that's why this is arranged the way it was, but um, it's odd. Like, I don't know. Did, did, did somebody lose faith in Scorpio Sky's ability to pull off a singles run or or 
you know, does somebody change their mind? I don't know what's going on, but uh, I'm not liking what they're doing to Scorpio Sky. I thought he had a good thing going. His promo about bringing his own chair to the dinner table was a little corny, and, you know, the kicking down of the door in that one entrance. But uh, right. I did like where the emotions were coming from for, for Scorpio. I wonder if this so. has something to do with Miro. Right, like so, you're you're in meetings with the the Bucks and Cody and Tony Khan, and hey Scorpio, we're gonna push you, and then and then Miro happens, and now you're not that guy anymore. I, I wonder if it's something like that. Never thought of that. That'd be pretty sucky if that if that was the case. Yeah, like I, I wonder if sometimes wrestlers have to go and, and say, you know what, maybe I'll go tag because I might get more time on TV or have more opportunities that way. I, I'm not speculating. I, I'm just wondering if, hmm. if it could be something like that. But I mean, we'll talk more about that match uh, later on in this episode. Yeah, for sure. In match number two, we had Alex Garcia versus Penelope Ford. Penelope Ford going over in that one. Um, in match number three, Best Friends goes over on Mbadu and what the heck is that? BSHP King? Did you watch this match? Skipped it. Yeah. <laughs> if anybody watched this match... Write it in the comments what you thought about this one. <laughs> in match number four, we had Jurassic Express versus Dark Orders 5 and 10. Jurassic Express going over in that one. And in match number five, the hottest tag team in <laughs> AEW Wrestling, the Gun Club. They beat Sean Dean and Cesar Bonani. Bonani? <laughs> Bonani, that's what it says. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Um, I just want to quickly I, I mention. I just watch this show just for the pronunciation of the names. Right, right. There was a lot of debuts on this uh, this one. Alex Gracia, not Garcia. It's Gracia. Oh, Gracia. Uh, okay. She she debuted. Uh, Rosas debuted. Um, I think Banani was debuting, and uh, that was about it. But yeah. Uh, what I want to mention with the gun club is that the uh, the other son, the other the gun son, if I can say that, uh, he was ringside. Like he wasn't, you know, in the crowd or anything like that. He came out with them. He was working the manager role in a way. Um, obviously, looks lost out there, but uh, he had yeah. a good time with. And his, he has been doing his... that for the last little bit. Oh, has he? This is the first one I've he I've has. watched. And, yeah. Uh, I didn't realize I've that just he's been, been watching them because I think they're like five or six and oh in the last six dark episodes. So, oh, definitely. If they're not in the top five in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be really upset. I'm going to have to give Tony Khan a call and ask him what the hell these rankings are even for. Right. Or who comes up with them. Uh, match of the night in uh, match number six, take Conte versus red velvet. I'm only assuming you caught this match. Uh, I may have slowed down to uh, normal speed to watch this one. Um, this was a really good match. Uh, this was kind of Tay Conte's coming out party in a way. Um, she got to really display 
uh, her talents using that judo background. We got to see a lot of um, submission attempts. Uh, you know, she's got this boa constrictor type moniker behind her right now. Uh, you know, Brazilian uh, heritage, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. She's really showing off a lot of that mixed martial arts style stuff. And um, yeah, she she pretty much has her way with uh, Red Velvet on this one. But uh, this match, as always, was all about after the match. Um, right. during, during this match, Anna Jay was ringside. She was, um, in the crowd camera was constantly on here uh, on her. I don't blame them for that. Um, she was clapping. She was cheering Tay on when Tay got the win. She immediately, Anna Jay, that is immediately jumps the rail, gets into the ring, gives Conte a hug, um, you know, congratulates her and Tay kind of wants to be the good person here and help Red Velvet up. But Anna J kind of pushes her aside and says, you know, don't worry about it. I got this. Anna J helps Red Velvet up. And I got to give Excalibur and Taz props here because they're really putting over the fact like, oh, maybe she's trying to recruit Red Velvet now too. You know, she's offered her, her uh, you know, the Dark Order to Tay Conte. You know, Red Velvet is is on a bit of a losing streak. Maybe she's recruiting. And then all of a sudden this, uh, uh, they called it something. It was like the, the J kick or something like that out of nowhere is like a way better, uh, move than whatever Anna J was doing before. But yeah, it was deadly looking takes red velvet out and take Conte looks confused. And, um, you know, just, yeah, just confused about, what just happened and I can't help but feel like we've seen this before with Colt Cabana you know are we gonna get this same story where Tay's not sure what the Dark Order is really about and are we just gonna replay this whole storyline over again with Conte yeah you know I think it was last week when you made a comment about um you know don't don't present the material to us like we're idiots right like we know it's wrestling at the very least you're watching the show you know what dark order is about so you pretending like oh my god uh, you're really beating that person up like to me it's a little bit hokey but you're right we've seen this story before it's totally cool cabana you know i i one of my biggest criticisms of the vanilla brand is they recycle storylines often. And by often, I mean, you know, every year we get to see a, a similar storyline in a way in the worst case scenarios, it's six months, three months, maybe. But I mean, AEW, you're you're really gonna bring the exact same storyline with the exact same faction, and the first story's not even over yet. You know what I mean? Like, right. don't like I said, don't take us for idiots. Like I remember, like Vince always feels like the the fans never remember. Well, they they won't remember that we did this with them, kind of thing. Kind of, it's like no, we always remember. Like so. I don't know. 
it, if they do it differently, I'm all for it. But right now, it's exactly the same so far, and it, I just feel bad for Tay that this is this is where they're taking her. Yeah, I, I think the story with uh, Stu Grayson is better. They should push that one. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> You're talking about um, Anna and Stu? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, that's classic. All right. In uh, match number seven, we had Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison, the new Hollywood Blondes, versus uh, one of the newest tag teams to get a, a name in AEW, the Chaos Project. And uh, Chaos Project goes over in this one. Luther and Serpentico getting the win. Um, what do you think about this new name, Chaos Project? Uh, it's better than Death Triangle. I mean, that's really all we can compare it to. That's um, the line now, right? Yeah. Like, it just has to be Death Triangle, and it's Death Triangle not a bad is name. the bare minimum of what a faction name can be. As long as it's above that bar, I mean, I'm going to be all for it. Uh, I think it fits these two though, you know, the original death dealer. Um, we don't really know too much about Serpentico, but he seems to be fitting in with Luther a lot more than I would have gave him credit for, you know, when we first saw him on AEW dark, you know, pandemic era a few months ago, but he's yeah. starting to wear the contacts. So all you see is his pupil, you know, like he's starting to, build that Re character yeah reform himself in kind of the the eyes of uh of luther and uh i mean we're gonna find out a little bit later on in the show here is is they're getting a pretty big uh pretty big nudge next week so watch out for yeah. chaos project and as far as ga names go i mean anything's better than slapjack and t-bar <laughs> just saying <laughs> Uh, and, and that's a shot at somebody. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. In match number eight, we had Nyla Rose versus Rache Chanel. Nyla Rose going over in that one. And in the main event, we had Natural Nightmares versus, and this is a weird combination, John Silver and Colt Cabana. <clears throat> yes. Again, um, I didn't watch Dark this week. Didn't have the time. Uh, did you see this main event? Uh, I, I didn't bother watching this one. I kind of knew where it was going. Um, it surprised me that it was Colt Cabana. They did a little bit of a backstage kind of segment leading up into the match where John Silver was really like, oh, do I have to tag with him? And Evil Uno was just like, yeah, you know, Reynolds isn't around right now. You know, we got no one else. So, you know, five and ten already wrestled. You know, all that's left is Colt, and then Colt comes running down the stairs and is like, oh, are we ready to go, guys? You know, chipper as always, and they go on about their business. But, I mean, we saw it on Being the Elite. Reynolds wasn't around. so He was at fencing camp. I thought it was tap dancing camp. No, it was fencing. That's just lame. He's, he's learning how to... Because that was the excuse. The original excuse was that he was uh, helping his dad get his foreskin cut off. And and then he says that he's at fencing camp. And he's like, well, who's lying to me? And he's like, well, I'm learning how to use a sword. Oh, or, right. Yeah. 
I mean, it, it, it was a pretty weak joke, which is probably why you don't remember it. Right. <laughs> Needless to say, Reynolds isn't around. I'm not sure if he's uh, taking precautions, uh, much like Lance Storm or Lance Storm, Lance Archer. I got 30 years of Chris Jericho on my mind right now. Be a lot of <laughs> Lance Storm. Storm all elite. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, anyways, uh, I didn't watch the match. It was an odd pairing, but, uh, I mean, it makes sense that Natural Nightmares go over on this one. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that was AEW Dark. Uh, let's get right into the this week's power rankings. We are Wednesday, September 30th, 2020. What do we got? We don't have a lot of changes this week. Uh, absolutely no changes in the men's division. John Moxley, Brody Lee, still our two champions. Lance Archer, the number one contender, followed by Brian Cage, MJF, Cody, and Scorpio Sky. In the women's division is where we have our only changes of the week. Sheeta still the champion. Nyla Rose still the number one contender, followed by Big Swole. Uh, Penelope Ford moves up one position, Abaddon down one position, which uh, I guess kind of makes sense. We haven't seen her in a few weeks. And Britt Baker rounding out the top five. In the tag team division, absolutely no changes from last week. FTR still the champs. Best friends, the number one contenders, followed by Young Bucks, Natural Nightmares, Butcher and the Blade, and Proud and Powerful. No gun club yet. It's coming. It's coming. It's got to be. All right. Well, let's get right into this week's Wednesday Night Dynamite. The date was September 30th, 2020. Uh, live from Jacksonville, Daly's Place. Um, I mean, overall thoughts on this week's episode. You know, we had such a horrific episode last week. I really think they... they, they Brought their A game back this week, and uh, we had a hell of a show. Yeah, and I think it, it started with the, the first match. I, I think that sort of sets the tone, and it was a, a really decent first match, and we had a, a really good show. I was into it the entire time. So, uh, And then next week, which we'll hear about a little bit later, is set up to be a really awesome show. Yeah, for sure. Um, I didn't pick up my controller once this week. So there's no <laughs> Tony Hawk being played. There's no uh, Call of Duty. So uh, you know it was a good show when. But uh, you mentioned the very first matchup of the night. We had Ricky Starks uh, versus Darby Allen. This was a, this was a hell of a match. Um, it drew almost 1.1 million viewers. It was the peak of the night. Rightfully so, people like to tune in just to see what's going on, and they got to they got to see one hell of a match. Um, what did you? What were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I thought it was a really good match. I feel like I haven't seen Darby Allen in a match in a while. No, I mean he was in the Battle Royal. He's been in a couple of you know run-ins or whatever, but we haven't really seen him in a match in a while. And it was good to see him back and. Uh, lots of spots in this match. We had a interrupt by Brian Cage and Will Hobbs, and mm -hmm. that was probably the worst part of the match. But yeah, uh, it didn't need it. Yeah, Ricky Starks, I think, did really well. I think he only really almost killed Darby Allen one time. 
<laughs> and that's good for for a Ricky Starks match. Yeah, for sure. No, uh, I was really impressed with Ricky. We've been hard on Ricky um, for his actual wrestling. Really high on the guy when it comes to his mic skills, his character work. Maybe not so much his commentary work that he that we've seen on Dark, um, which we didn't mention at all that he was on commentary again for Dark this week. But uh, you know, his, this this was a good wrestling match by by uh, Ricky. Um, if I were to ever, you know, be coaching or, um, you know, have anything to do with a wrestling school of any sorts, I think I would show this match in cell class. This is how you sell <clears throat> a, an, a specific injury, a specific spot for an entire match because I literally thought Ricky Starks had a legitimate lower back injury this whole match. Like his selling was that good. And it's something that we haven't seen from him yet. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if he's been holding back on us, you know, I don't know why. Cause it's like he, he did amazing in this match. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought so too. Um, should we talk about this uh, one spot here? The Darby springboard off the, the middle rope and gets speared in yeah. midair by yeah. Ricky Starks. So what did you think about this spot and um, how it was uh, performed? You know, this is a spot that I haven't really seen before. We've seen springboards into RKOs and springboards into super kicks and, you know, all these different kind of combinations, but... The one I don't think I've ever seen is like a springboard. Um, I, I'm assuming Darby's going for like uh, like a tornado DDT off the springboard or something like that. But Starks is there, catches him. Really powerful spear. Like a great takedown worthy of, you know, World Cup of Rugby. I think it was a wrap and tackle, uh, if I've ever seen one, like the best uh, display of, of a tackle. So... It was really good and and it looked devastating. I, I'm assuming this is the spot where you're like, he he only killed Darby once this time because, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, Darby's great for um, just letting his body take the worst of it, which I mean, it probably isn't the smartest thing. But he's young and he's he's trying to get something over, and he, and he just lets his body take the brunt of of the force. And uh, I mean, it's it made totally the spot NHL look great. 2016, 2014. You mean 14? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 14. 14. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 2016. So <laughs> no, but yeah, like the hitting animations in that game, people were just ragdolling, right? And that's exactly yeah. what Darby does on this spot and makes it look amazing. Um, uh, there was a couple of teases at the coffin drop. And we right. finally get it at the end here, and uh, it worked out a little bit different than he usually does. Yeah, I thought it was weird that uh, Ricky was kind of on his belly. And I'm like, man, the coffin drop's already a pretty dangerous move for Darby himself. But Ricky's going to put himself in a vulnerable position being on his belly, and he's not going to be able to brace that impact. You know, you, you see the guys, they kind of cradle their bodies they'll bring their legs up and then and try to cushion the fall a little bit couldn't really do that in the way he was he was laid out but again just makes them move go from here to here like in in a matter of seconds and 
It looked painful. And it keeps it him strong, painful. right? Because he was uh, selling, selling that, that injury for the yeah. entire time. So you take a coffin drop to the back, it's very likely you're not going to kick out. Yeah, for sure. And rightfully so, Darby Allen gets the one, two, three here. Um, I got to give props to Taz during this uh, during this match. You know, his commentary. This is this is his boy, absolute Ricky Starks. Um, he's not shy in saying that Ricky kind of goes on his own sometimes, doesn't always listen to me, but you know, he's still getting the job done. Like he, he still puts him over while, you know, trying to, I don't know. I just thought Taz's commentary was very objective instead of subjective when calling a match of, of, of a member of team Taz where you know, a lot of times when you get guest commentary, guest commentators, and they're commentating on their, you know, their pride and joy a little bit, they they get a little too uh, cheerleaderish. And Taz didn't do that, so I got to give props to Taz on commentary during this. He was really well. Yeah, he's really embracing that role as the kind of coach or yeah. trainer kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, great match. Like I said, it drew the highest numbers uh, of the night for AEW, uh, almost peaking at 1.1 million. I think there were like, like a million and 82,000 or something like that. So really well done for AEW. Uh, for two young guys, two, I mean, homegrown guys, you know, a lot of the... Uh, a lot of the AEW naysayers like to like to say that we're building our company on the backs of ex WWE guys. Well, these are two pretty much homegrown guys, two guys from the indies, anyways, who AEW are 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 letting, giving them a chance to to show the world what they can do, and uh, they showed a million people what they can do, and it was amazing. Yeah, they pulled it off. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on to the next segment of the show. This was a. Uh, an in-ring interview with uh, Cody and Dasha. Dasha conducting the interview. We got to see that epic Cody wrote Cody entrance. <laughs> Caught it. <laughs> Caught it. That was close. We got to see that epic Cody entrance before the commercial break, and uh, and we come back from commercial break, and uh, you know, Dasha asks the questions. You know, like what's happening. With with Brody Lee and we get we get one of those Cody promos that we haven't seen since before he was TNT champion. Like I haven't seen this promo from Cody, God, since before Full Gear. I feel like, and he was so good yeah, in those intense. early days it was of intense. those early days of Dynamite. So, yeah, what'd you think? I rarely have a bad thing to say about Cody. Um, I have to say at the beginning of the show, I'm always looking to see if that ramp is there now. Uh, <laughs> if, if we're going to get the, the entrance and uh, the ramp wasn't there. So I didn't know if we were going to see Cody or not, but the, uh, the prelude hits all good. And um, yeah, this was an intense uh, promo. He definitely means business with his new hair and even just his the suits that he's wearing. Uh, you had commented on his uh, shoes there. And um, 
yeah, he's definitely got a different attitude here. And then he kind of, he throws us a, a bit of a wrench. A little swerve. Yeah, so Dasha says, uh, you know, like, do you accept Brody's challenge? And he turns it down. He says, says no. no. And, and walks away. And I think both of us kind of sat back in our chairs and went, okay, this is unexpected. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, I didn't really expect it to go that way. Um, but he stopped. He paused at the top of the ramp, and I'm like, oh, no doesn't mean no in this instance. Sure enough, he comes back into the ring. He, like, tears the microphone out of Dash's hand. And, I mean, this is the Cody that we grew to love at, the, at like, a year ago. You know, I forgot to mention at the beginning of the segment here, we are the day of recording this podcast, October 2nd. We are one year from the inaugural episode of AEW Dynamite. You know, and I haven't seen this Cody since, you know, those early days of Dynamite. And it was great to see him back, but he grabs that mic and no, as in no regrets. And ah, fuck, the goosebumps just got growing. I think I might have sat back in my chair a little bit and, and you know got a little bit fired up, man. Cody just always gets me fired up. And, Doing uh, this, the Ric Flair, you're just yeah, I was just getting the yeah. I was, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it was great. It was great to see Cody back like this, and yeah, I like what you mentioned about just this whole look. Like before, he was wearing the bright, you know, baby blues and and silver and gray suits now he's got these black suits this dark purple his shoes are all blinged out with uh i don't know sequins what i don't know what they're called but shoes are sparkly and yeah i'm I'm liking this new cody yeah because i i think at least for me the blonde cody with the white jackets and whatnot he he seemed very much like the the corporate figure of AEW, yeah. and the now EVP. he seems, yeah, he seems more like he's one of the guys. I, I want to see heel Cody. Yeah, I want to see that. And it'll be interesting to see where we go from here. Um, so you know, Cody very passionately, I accept. And pretty much on cue, out comes the Dark Order. Um, JR, I love how JR is like, oh, there's no Brody Lee. Dark Order's out here, but no, Brody Lee's nowhere to be found. And then, like, like a fucking freight train coming through a tunnel, out comes Brody Lee, pushes Evil Uno out of the way, jumps right in the ring, and all hell breaks loose. What did you think of this pull apart? You know, we don't get too too many pull aparts in AEW. If we had a pull apart to episode ratio uh between AEW and the vanilla brand, I think the vanilla brand's about uh six pull aparts an episode where uh <laughs> <laughs> where AEW get we get one about every six months. So I mean, what did you think of this pull apart? Yeah. I mean every every Brock Lesnar feud had a pull apart. <laughs> exactly. Every episode and, leading and up we to know the that their feuds only go about a couple of weeks long. So <laughs> <laughs> that uh says it all right there. I thought th- I thought this was a good pull apart. 
the the mix of people that they had i like that it wasn't like main roster guys i like that it was like the brian pillmans and the griff mm-hmm. garrisons that were out there and in dark order and um i i mean we we got three rounds of this if not four right. um so we get brandy coming out at one point yeah and uh i didn't know where this was going did you I saw, you know what, to be honest, I saw Brandy coming out and I was just like, the hell is she going to do? You know, big mess of big dudes in a dog pile. But uh, a few of the Dark Order kind of strayed off from the pack and they were outside of the ring. I look away. I come back. Something catches my eye. She's over the top rope taking everybody out. I was like, holy shit. Like, I had to go back and watch it a second time. Uh, I, I never would have thought... I know Brandy likes to take bumps. We've seen her go through tables uh, during Cody's matches and stuff like that. But for her, for her to th- hurl, hurl herself over the ropes to to take out a, a bunch of the Dark Order, that was big. Um, but this this leads into Anna Jay getting involved. They get in a big uh, a scuffle. Out come all the girls over the uh, over the ring. We got Kylan King and. Um, uh, Danny Jordan, I think, was, was in, in there. there. Red Velvet, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rache Chanel. They're pulling apart Anna Jay and, uh, and Brandy Rhodes. Um, but then... Nyla Rose jumps the... Yeah, Nyla Rose jumps and takes out Kylan King. And, and I can't help but think that this is a push for Kylan King. Maybe she's going to get uh, a main roster, for lack of a better term. You know, a dynamite feud with uh, the native beast. I think this is awesome for Kylan King. I hope so. Uh, I think she's been doing an excellent job through the pandemic. I don't know. I feel like you can see when somebody is really, really trying, and I feel like mm-hmm. she really, really tries. Solid wrestler. And uh, she's a she's a bigger gal, which, I, I again, I think we need. There's too many too many smaller girls we need somebody that can that nyla rose can go up and be realistic against i think yeah i know we're missing that with chris statlander out you know she was the she uh, was the other big girl shanna you know we're mm, we're missing them yeah we're 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 missing all of them uh so uh, i think kylan king fits in perfectly here i hope this is um this is a dynamite feud it's not just on dark kind of thing uh right but like you said, you we get three or four rounds of this. Um, there's kind of somewhat of a clean break. Brody Lee gets up the stage and no, I'm not done yet. And he runs back in. I By the end, I was like, okay, let's get to commercial break already. But I mean, it was still very, very entertaining right to the end. Um, one of the better pull-aparts I've ever seen. Yeah, and at the end here... Was Cody selling, or did he get punched in the mouth by accident? Or I felt like he wasn't selling. Is he legitimately maybe got popped and wasn't expecting it? And maybe who knows? And all that. There's fists flying everywhere. People are trying to, you know, they're trying to hold people back, and you know, you kind of push through, and maybe you catch a guy in in the chin or something like. Before we leave this segment, I do want to say I have solved the mystery of who the third guy was in the Wardlow promo all out 
2019. It wasn't oh, Griff Garrison. Man. I haven't been sleeping at night because of this. <laughs> so we had Alan Angels confirmed. We had Lee Johnson confirmed. But then we had the Griff Garrison imposter. Now, I've been watching a lot of Among Us. I'm pretty good at sussing out imposters. <laughs> um, the third guy was not Griff Garrison, but it's the security guard that hangs out ringside. He also has long, blonde, curly hair. He was in the ring during this pull apart. Him and Griff Garrison took a picture together on socials. And I'm like, that's him. That's the guy. Is this the guy that comes out with private party? Sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. That was him. Wow. In the world. I am going to have a good sleep tonight. I think. All right. All right. Everybody can sleep well tonight. Let's move on with the show. Um. Oh, I totally had slides for all this pull apart and I missed it. I'm getting used to the slideshow business. Bear with us, people. All right. Moving on to the next segment of the show. We had a backstage interview with Tony Schiavone with uh, FTR and Tully Blanchard um, setting up. We're getting ready for this uh, match, SCU versus FTR. Um, pretty standard uh, promo of what FTR was talking about here. We They kind of just recapped us what happened last week um they offered best friends a chance at 20 a brush of greatness for 20 minutes but they decided they would do them a favor since they finished this big war the parking lot brawl with proud and powerful they weren't ready for the brush of greatness so they they retracted the uh the offer and uh they went about their business kind of thing um as much as FTR is absolutely boring on their microphone, this was still a pretty entertaining uh, segment because of what happens to Tony. You want to talk about this for a little while? Yeah. Um. So Tony being Tony, uh, getting right down to business, just like he's been doing with the Young Bucks. Uh, he brings up the Young Bucks to FTR and, and FTR basically says that the young bucks don't don't deserve a shot mm-hmm. or we're not going to wrestle them and, and and whatnot and then out of nowhere we get the super kick <laughs> and tony takes a bump so we thought we might have saw this last week we got the whole phone bit yeah now now he he takes it and um young bucks are teasing good. is there two legs there there's two legs. There's two legs. Uh, but okay. See, I thought it was just Matt. But see, this is so this is what I want to bring up is where's Nick and all this? Because Matt did the whole Oh Nick, it's just Tony. No big deal. Last week. And then we see kind of the behind the scenes thing on being the elite. And again, he's pointing to someone off camera referring to Nick. After this super kick, Matt does his uh Oh, um, you know, hey, Nick, wait up. But we never see Nick. So where's Nick in all this? I, I'm I'm just assuming that he's at home. You know, he's got a newborn. He's a kid. new father. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure he's just taking care of business. Um, there seems to be a little bit of an outbreak of a possible COVID. So maybe he's just protecting himself a little bit. Um, but that begs the question. Is whose leg is that? 
And I swear to God, I've seen those purple pants before on Sammy Guevara. Who else would wear Jordan ones? Pink so, shoes, yeah. <laughs> maybe it's Kip. Maybe, but I mean, I the mystery. It's another. You're turning into hey? quite the sleuth here. Ah, man, Among Us is such a great game. Anyways, <laughs> so yeah, we get this. We get to see Tony take a bump. I never thought, you know, in all the years of watching WCW, it was like Tony never took a bump. He would always kind of get, you know, pushed aside or something like that. But he never got kicked. He never got punched. You know, even Kevin Nash never really pushed him. He would always push Bobby the Brain or, or somebody like that, right? You know, so it's just amazing. I never thought I'd ever see Tony take a bump like that. I liked how they teased it last week. This was a great segment all because of this. It had nothing to do with FTR. <laughs> yeah. Um, just before we cut to commercial break, though, we get another backstage interview with uh, Dasha Gonzalez again. She's interviewing Scorpio Sky and Frankie Gazarian. They're getting ready for their brush with greatness. And um, again, this is just another, I don't know, piece of evidence for, I'm totally a detective now. I don't know why I'm saying these words. But um, uh, Scorpio Sky just ruining this character that he built over the last couple weeks. And he's back to this, you know, like I said, blue chipper baby face. And, uh, I mean, I, I would love to say there's no turning back, but I mean, he seems to flip flop like big show. So, well, now that we're, you're kind of bringing it up again, I, we didn't talk about the segment in BT with Christopher Daniels, right. Almost contemplating retirement. I, I felt right. if that's, kind of got in the heads of Scorpio Sky and Kazarian. You know, where's Kazarian left if he doesn't have a partner here? I I doubt he's going to go on some kind of singles run. So could this be Scorpio saying, hey, like I'm committed to SCU and I wanted to continue on. So if Christopher Daniels is going to step aside, then you know what I mean? Yeah, so it could a, be that. It might not be him really trying to sabotage his own character, just maybe trying to help with Kazarian for however much longer he has. That's a that's an interesting point. Yeah, I never thought of that. But uh, like I said, we get this babyface promo from uh, Scorpio saying, you know, we we kind of went our different ways for a little while, but it's time to see. If we still have what it takes, we are the first AEW Tag Team Champions. He's gassing, gassing Frankie up. And I just like how Frankie just sits there and he's just like nodding along. He's just agreeing. He doesn't say anything. He had nothing to do with this promo. Um, yeah, I liked everything about this. Um, as they leave the promo, we think we're going to... I think I, while we were watching, I was even ready to see you. And then it never came. I was like, oh, shit. I feel like a dumbass now. But... Um, <laughs> Just before they come through the tunnel, they run into Sean Spears, of all people. Now, we saw, I believe it was on Dark. Sean Spears have a match on Dark? No, it was uh, Tuesday Night Dynamite. Um, the Tuesday episode of Dynamite that Scorpio Sky and Sean Spears had a little bit of an issue um, when uh, Sean Spears did some extracurricular activity on, uh, on Matt Seidel, his, his good buddy. Uh, Scorpio Sky's a good buddy, that is. So, I mean, it it makes sense why Sean Spears is there, but just the way he was leaning up against the pole, and then he's just like, 
good luck tonight. I mean, the thoughts come back like, okay, is this the moment? Is this the tease? Are we going to see this four horsemen style? Like is, is Sean Spears going to join FTR some point during this match? Right. Is he you know, one of these? If is is he one is of he these? Is he one guys? of these things? Whichever this way it goes. Hand signal they do for those of you listening <laughs> audio only. Um I'm doing the Oh, I was I think I was even doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This hand thing they do, like what does that mean? We're thinking Sean Spears is this one, right? The guy who's not with a partner? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. This little piggy goes to market. Is that yeah. kind of hand signal? So I mean at this point, like I'm fully expecting Sean Spears to get involved with this matchup. Unfortunately, we don't get to see that. Well, let's get right into this matchup. It's a brush with greatness, a 20 minute time limit for. And to me, last week during the promo, the FTR promo, these brush with greatnesses weren't tag team title matches. To me, if you survived the 20 minute brush with greatness, then you were offered a tag team title match. But they were calling this a tag team title match right from the start, which I don't know they if were, that was yeah. a mistake. Uh, did someone forget what was going on, or was did I just totally misunderstand what what the promo meant last week? But, uh, I was really confused of why this was being called a tag team championship match. Right, I I understood it the same way you did. So maybe it was commentary. Maybe it was was it Cash who was talking about it. Maybe he kind of misspoke on what it was about but uh the way i understood it was this was a this was a championship match yeah for sure i'm pretty sure uh what's his name said it at the beginning um yeah i think everybody said it at some point scorpio sky mentioned it in the promo uh jr and excalibur were were calling it a a championship match i don't get it i don't know this what did you think of this match? I mean, it was decent. Um, I like I like that FTR is keeping up this. Um, I'm using air quotes here, but follow the rules. You know, they they they're constantly breaking the rules. They're playing the heel tag team perfectly. They're using Tully Blanchard to their advantage. He's getting involved, which I like. Um, when he was. I mean, he's still managing Sean Spears, but when he manages Sean Spears, besides putting, you know, the slug in his in his glove for him or or handing it off, he really has nothing to do with Sean Spears' matches. You know, and we haven't seen him as part of the matches since um, All Out 2019, where he gets involved in, you know, the whole Arn Anderson thing. If you if you guys want to hear our thoughts on that, we do have a 2019 reaction uh, show. Uh, from a few weeks ago, but uh, I like that he gets involved with these guys' matches. It, it, it makes sense. Why have a manager out there if he's just going to stand there and and look old? I don't know. Right. <laughs> and, and, it, <laughs> and, and it really, like, really what they're trying to push is that old-school wrestling. Yeah, for sure. And to me, old-school wrestling is that manager, valet, whatever you want to call it, is is part of the match um you know jimmy hart like uh those guys they they were always involved so yeah i think it's cool those uh bimbos that used to come out to the ring with nature boy they would hand them the brass knucks or something like right 
Like those right. had to have been local models or something. That's like what that. they need to bring back. Brass knucks? No, the girls. Oh, <laughs> the bimbos. <laughs> um, we should mention that uh, Hangman Page was out here on commentary during this match. Um, he was hammered. He was hammied hard. He was he was choking the whiskey. Every down. time they showed him, his glass was. Full, full like <laughs> so during the shot he's chugging it and then the next shot it's full again yeah he was he was I, a hoot <laughs> yeah i feel like uh this almost took away from the match but in a good way because okay. i wasn't really into this match okay myself um not th- not th- that it was bad i just i don't know i just didn't get into this match but well, at least you had that entertainment coming out of Hangman is what you're saying. Yeah. So, I mean, we get an announcement after this. Um, we're going to, they're going to be, AEW is going to be holding an eight-man tournament that uh, is going to accommodate, I can't say that word. Um, it's going to end, the finals are going to be at full gear is what's going to happen. Um, eight-man tournament. Throughout the next few weeks, uh, leading into the finals being at full gear, the winner getting a shot at the AEW championship at a later date. So big news. Um, and they announced that they got three they got three competitors that they can announce right now. And and Hangman's just playing his part. He's like, yeah, let's hear it. Let's see who's, who's getting in on it. And we get uh, Jungle Boy, Ray Phoenix, and Kenny Omega. And as soon as Excalibur says Kenny Omega, Hangman's mood changes. Would you think choked. of that? He's a bit choked. Um, yeah, I th- I thought it was uh, perfectly played by Hangman here because for the entire match on commentary, he's being a bit goofy. You know, he's he's uh he's hammered right so playing the drunk very heavily yeah and then he got super serious after this and i can't remember what he what he says but uh i got the impression that it's like he needs to be in this tournament for sure i mean it would be a huge missed opportunity and i'm gonna say if the finals go the way I think they should go, if they don't, they don't go the way that, that I think they should go. They're, like AEW is going to lose on at least a hundred thousand pay-per-view buys like hangman and Omega in the finals of this tournament will put, I mean, proverbial butts in the seats. This is going to sell a pay-per-view. Yeah. And and I and I'm gonna give you props on this because I don't even think the guh part of Omega was even <laughs> yeah. finished and you're already like, I already know what's gonna happen. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm calling it right now. If it's not Hangman and Omega in the finals of this tournament, it's gonna be a huge disappointment. We're asking for our money back. We're gonna I'm going to take that back real quick. The only way that I'm not mad if that's not the final is if Omega 
interrupts in Hangman's semifinal match and and causes him to lose. And then, you know, that'll be cool too. Like even just like comes to the ramp or something like that. And distracts him or something like that. He gets rolled up, small package. You know what I mean? Like that would be great. That would be great. Anyways, so big news. Uh, we have an eight-man, uh, I almost said tag team, an eight-man tournament to determine a new number one contender for a later date. Again, power rankings don't mean shit in AEW. Let's move on to the next segment of the night. Um, and they also announced that Full Gear was November 7th. So that's coming up soon. Yeah, for sure. We're like four or five weeks out from there. So it's going to come up quick. Uh, next matchup of the night, we're going to have Le Champion, Chris Jericho versus Isaiah Cassidy. This is, uh, this is a match that got uh, put together last week. Isaiah Cassidy, the young, uh, upstart, uh, talent tag team specialist, if you will, going to take on, uh, Chris Jericho. And uh, I mean, he, not the greatest on the microphone, but he, he did a pretty good uh, job of, uh, issuing the challenge, uh, Chris Jericho had to accept. And, and here we are. Um, this match was surprisingly good for, for, uh, you know, Isaiah Cassidy's uh, limitations, if you will. Yeah. I didn't think it had the best start, but, uh, once we got to like the middle latter part of, of the match and, uh, it was the Isaiah show, uh, he had all the spots, um at one point i think he did all of chris jericho's moves in a matter of like two minutes um all of his finishers all at once uh you know he did the lion salt he did the code breaker and all that so the last part of this match was did i watch fat- this match or <laughs> i don't remember that at all did you secretly have the sticks underneath the <laughs> I table? might have uh, been doing ollies and kickflips. I don't know. No, I don't. I, I honestly don't remember that. I might, I might have been checking an email or something that, like right at that moment. But that that's really cool. I love when people steal moves. Yeah. Um, there were a couple times that maybe the um, uh, the inexperience showed on Isaiah Cassidy. There was a couple times where Jericho had to actually like pull him down on top of them to you know you're supposed to be covering me right now kind of thing so there, there was a couple of moments where jericho's never been good at hiding you know calls uh brett hart called him out on that like many many years ago it doesn't really matter we all know it's a show but it's kind of funny when you actually do catch it and there was a lot of instances in that but it didn't really take away from this match uh, like you said, it was the Isaiah Cassidy show. He was out there to show what he can do, and uh, Jericho let him. <laughs> I mean, if I had to give uh, Isaiah Cassidy criticism, and we'll even say private party together to to criticize him, like I'm anybody in the wrestling world, but right. I feel like they're they think too much about what they're doing. Like they want to do it totally perfect and you can see it on their faces when they're in the ring it's like they're going over the checklist of this is what i have to do next and this is what i have to do next and maybe they get a bit rattled when they don't know what they're supposed to do next right i feel like as well probably cassidy more than quinn 
is the fitness. I feel like the fitness is not there. I feel like he really gassed out after all of these spots towards the end. Like he was done. Mm -hmm. So I wish these boys would work out. I I think they could be that much better if they just got in the gym and, and worked out. Yeah, no, those are all really good points. Um, you do really see that they're it, it, it's like playing music you know they're playing it bar for bar note for note where you know Chris Jericho's kind of just jamming it you know and, that, and that's what wrestling yeah, should be it, it should just be a jam sesh everybody's just kind of in there everybody's just feeding off each other that's what a wrestling match should be but you know these guys have the have the music all written out and they're playing it bar for bar and, and and it shows and uh, just like in, in in music like you can hear when it's affected in a way or done a bit robotically yeah yeah for sure hashtag john Pucci. anyways <laughs> i am all over <laughs> have, the place we, we have a major spot in here which you alluded to earlier in the show so we should uh, give that a bit of a mention uh, Chris Jericho's on the outside of the ring at one point oh, yes. early on I in the match. Um, I think he actually might even have flipped over the barrier and he gets into it with Luther and, and they have a, a little bit of a punching match going on here. What did you think about this part and where do you think it goes or doesn't even mean anything? It It was interesting because yeah, like you mentioned, Chris Jericho goes over the top rope and he kind of falls into the cage Bumps into Luther. Jericho turns around. You don't really get to hear what he says, but, I mean, he makes a gesture, but Luther doesn't waste any time. Comes right back at him. Now, we don't get to see what's happening in the ring. I'm assuming Isaiah Cassidy is distracting the ref at this point because, I mean, that's clear disqualification. Like, he fully connects with Jericho. They have a little bit of a of a Donnybrook um a little bit of a tilly and uh you know and then it gets broken apart but shortly after the match ends they get back into it and luther and serpentico basically chase uh inner circle out of the ring because i believe they go on the offensive after uh, on cassidy after after the match so they kind of just come into even the odds a little bit this yeah this leads to a match made for next week, the, the big 30th anniversary celebration show for Le Champion Chris Jericho. It's going to be the new tag team of Jericho and Hager versus Chaos Project. Um, I think this is a huge nudge, uh, I think is how I how I put it before. I'm not going to say it's a push for, for Chaos Project, but I mean they're going to get a match on, on Dynamite. It's up against Chris Jericho. This is going to be the first time since 1991, according to Chris Jericho himself, that Jericho and Luther are going to be locking up. These guys are lifelong friends. They got started into the business together. And yeah, we're finally going to see this match that's 30 years in the making. I think it'll be great. I think it's a one-off. I don't think this is going to be a feud that's going to go on for for weeks and weeks and weeks, but uh, it'll be a big... You know, kind of awesome spectacle one-off for this uh, special uh, 30th anniversary for Jericho. I'm looking forward to it next week. 
I totally agree with you. I, I feel like this is all Chris Jericho's idea. Uh, being that it is the celebration of 30 years of Chris Jericho, why not have a match with someone that you started your journey in this business with and kind of giving a nod to the roots of where mm -hmm. he started? I, I think it's totally Canadian of Chris Jericho to do something like that and... Um, I'm pretty sure that Luther knows his place in the wrestling world and knows he's probably never going to be AEW champ, and that's not why he's here. But I'm expecting that we're going to get a really good match if that happens next week, and uh, really looking forward to it. I I, I was on Twitter uh, while we were watching. I kind of had it opened every once in a while. It would update. And, I mean, I love... I love how people just full kayfabe wrestling still and how real it is to them. I understand what the business is and I give it the benefit of the doubt when it needs to be given. But I mean, I'm not buying into like, I'm like, Oh, so what I'm alluding to is like some of these tweets, like people are like, how could Luther do that to Chris Jericho? He brought him into this company and, why would he ever do that? And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, that's just, that's just good business right there. Like, so I just, it, it makes me giggle that this is still so real for so many people, but good on you for being entertained for it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I, <clears throat> um, I don't know how to put this with not kind of offending anybody, but, uh, I feel like for some people, they they approach their life this way because it's it's more interesting that way it I is think. sometimes right yeah. when you're and i'll admit it i'm i'm that kind of person who's maybe more of a realist if that's the right word to use and life doesn't really shock me a lot of the times because i have an expectation of how things are gonna go yeah, for sure. Right. And and in the world of wrestling, it we we know it's entertainment. It's it's not real. But if somebody can sit there and believe that it is real, then it it they probably get more out of it than we actually oh, do. Oh, for sure. Hundred percent. I wish I wish I could watch wrestling with the eyes of the eight year old me, you know, when I used to watch Junkyard Dog and will beware <laughs> you know what i mean like i wish i could watch <laughs> wrestling like that still because yeah it was way more fun so uh yeah when not, wrestling was real yeah when wrestling was real <laughs> all right it's like santa claus <laughs> <laughs> santa claus and easter bunny and fairy. um all right let's move on to the next segment of the show we had this little uh pre-taped uh pre-taped thing we're, we're getting more backstory between kip and miro here you know, they're hanging out. Kip Sabian's got some concerns about his bachelor party. He wants his bachelor party to be the best party of his life. And Miro can only, all he can do is reassure that I got you, brother. Like, this is going to be the best bachelor party ever. It's going to be like Rumspringer, you know, where the Amish kids leave the colony and go drink and put their livers to the test and, and stuff like that. And it kind of fast forwards. All of a sudden, they're at like some kind of arcade. They're throwing axes. Uh, Miro is playing like 
digital dodgeball or virtual dodgeball. Which and looks the, super cool. Yeah, I, I want to play that for sure. Um, but kind of the interesting spot here is that they're sitting there at a Pac-Man machine. And Kip's like, I got to go take a piss. I got to go rock a piss. I'll be right back. And Miro kind of shakes his head. He's like, man, what's this guy so worried about? And then, a f- I mean, a pretty familiar face to me, if you've ever watched some documentaries on Netflix. But uh, Billy Mitchell, uh, controversial world record holder of uh, many Atari games. I think he's claims he's the world record holder for Pac-Man, claims he's the world record holder for Donkey Kong. Um, they're all in dispute because of cheats and falsified, you know, evidence, whatever. We're, that's not what this podcast is about, but controversial face comes on the screen and he says, I'll help you throw this bachelor party. What, like, wh- where is this going is, is all I can say. Did it not seem to you like... Like, Miro was acting like he doesn't have a plan for this. I think that's exactly what it is. So, yeah. So you... you... I, did, I did not know who this guy was. You recognized him. I didn't. Yeah. Um, I've, I watched the Netflix documentary. I mean, I'd plug I, it, I but I don't been, remember I would have been good called. with the whole... Maybe they're in some kind of war zone tournament... <laughs> or something like that because that would be entertaining i i mean you know miro telling him to get off the water tower and you know all that like that would just be hilarious i don't know i don't i don't know where this is going do you have any ideas you well you mentioned something last week um i forget what situation they were in but i mean they were sitting there talking about the bachelor party and you brought up the words, this is your life. Referring to Mick Foley throwing the this is your life thing for The Rock on Raw. Like, is this what this is going to end up being kind of thing? Like, obviously not this is your life, but, you know, it's going to be an in-ring kind of spectacle. It's going to be kind of lame and cheesy, but it'll be super entertaining because everybody involved kind of thing. And, yeah, I kind of feel like this is where this is headed because Miro has absolutely no idea what's going on. And I would, I would love if the punchline to everything is, is that like Kip Sabian brings Miro in as his best man. But then Miro's like, dude, we just met like three weeks ago. I don't, <laughs> I don't even <laughs> How know am I you. To know? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? We played Warzone like three, four times. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I just think that would be the funniest, kind of punchline to this thing and then maybe we can get into some serious Miro breaking bodies let's make up for that shit match we saw last week kind of thing you know what I mean so I'm I'm not I'm not backing out on this storyline yet but uh, it's not looking good Uh, I mean maybe they'll surprise us but yeah I don't know it's up in the air for me yeah, I feel like it's it's probably going to be... I can't remember exactly. I remember me making that comment. There was something specific that was said that made me think that. I can't remember what it was, but... Right. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Hopefully it's good. Let's move on. 
Uh, next matchup of the night, we had Orange Cassidy going up against 10 of the Dark Order. Um, I mean, this match makes sense. Orange Cassidy had a match against the Exalted One. Uh, I guess he's working reverse order down down the list of, of Dark Order members, but uh, I'm sure this is leading somewhere. But uh, pretty solid match between Orange Cassidy and 10. I, I enjoyed this one. It wasn't anything spectacular, but it wasn't it wasn't shitty at, uh, by any means. It was a solid, entertaining singles match. Um, Ten got to show off what you know he can do. Something we haven't seen in a while. He had to sell that shoulder injury for for however long. So uh, I was excited for this match. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was good, and and uh, we had a little bit of. Uh... outside entertainment dark yeah, order you know sure. doing the best friend hugging thing i didn't think that this match needed that uh orange cassidy is a really good competitor really good athlete and and uh 10 is just a is just a beast and can and can wrestle i i didn't think it was needed i thought that took away from it but well, we, yeah, solid match here no we, huge spots but we said the same thing about the match against Brody Lee. You know, John Silver was doing the t-shirt gimmick and pretending like it was like cooties or whatever you want to say. And it's just like, why why are we doing BTE Dark Order on Dynamite? And this was much of the same. But you kind of block all that out and, and focus on what's going on in the ring and, and you're going to see a really solid competitive match um, where 10 gets to show, like I said, he gets to show off what the guy can do. Like you said, he's a beast. Throws around Orange Cassidy quite well. But uh, Cassidy, as always, you know, he he digs deep and, and he's got the heart and uh, finishes him off with uh, an orange punch, which leads into um, probably one of the deadliest finishers. I don't think I've ever seen Orange Cassidy do this before. It's very similar to what Trent and Chucky do as a tandem, but it's just a little bit smoother and a little bit more fluent, and it just makes the move look so much better. Um, did they even have a, a name for this one? Yeah, they called it the Beach Breaker. Oh, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I, I think this also has a lot to do with 10, um, you know, doing the move properly, getting his head in the right place, because he needs to kind of stick to orange cassidy's side so his head doesn't get kind of crushed on his back and yeah i thought it looked really really cool even the couple of angles that they showed of it like it, it looked really awesome yeah i could see where some issues might come into place if someone can't really the person taking the move can't really grab a hold of of it, of orange's sides quick enough or something like that it might look a little fumbly but i mean first impressions are 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 everything and i mean it's locked in quick and cassidy just drops it down one two three it looked great i loved it very cool yeah let's keep the show rolling uh we get a very I almost said very entertaining, but it was very awkwardly entertaining. <laughs> uh, backstage segment, it starts off with uh, MJF. He's outside of Chris Jericho's locker room, and he kind of having words with the cameraman, and 
doing MJF stuff, but he knocks on the door. Jericho lets him in, and uh, we just get some MJF kind of classic MJF in this segment. What did you think of all, of all this? Yeah, I think the the fumbly part was the is it the jackets? Yeah, like it was where just he's like trying to read the names and he can barely get them out of the box. It's like and... he's never held a jacket in his hands before. He didn't know how to like straighten it out. I've never picked up a jacket and done like a full 360 trying to find the top. <laughs> like that's never happened. Right. <laughs> Did he seem nervous to you? <clears throat> Or was he trying to play off like he was nervous? He fumbled a few times in this, which MJF doesn't usually fumble. Right. I never really thought of it or thought about it. But now that you say that, yeah, something did seem kind of off. I I don't think I can call it nerves. I think he or was maybe just, he was just rushing. He was just trying too hard. Yeah. Maybe he was rushing because we noticed later in the night that the show started to feel rushed. You know, maybe one. It, yeah, some, it was maybe about, some uh, segment. The next segment, yeah. Yeah. Maybe one of the segments ran a little bit long. <clears> so when <throat> they were going into it, they're like, hey, you got to get through this really quick kind of thing. So maybe he was a little bit. It was probably the five pull aparts. <laughs> probably. Fucking Cody taking up all the time. <laughs> no, it was. It was but what we get out of this is uh, the the gift that MGF brings is these embroidered jackets, inner circle and, bomber jackets of some sort. Yeah, it looked like it had the big inner circle emblem on the back, and he's handing them out to everybody, pulling them out one at a time, and the box is empty, and. No jacket for Sammy Guevara. Yeah. What did you think about this part? I I like this. And I think I think I mentioned it uh while we were watching. I'm like, is this is this where we're going? Is this the MJF replaces? Again, I'm using quotes for people listening on uh audio, but uh MGF replaces Sammy. Sammy gets a little scorn. Like, I can't believe Jericho's letting this jabroni in, into our group. We were less sex gods. And, and you know, that, that leads to uh, to uh, some infighting, which I think I called a, a while ago with with Inner Circle. Um, I think Sammy's ready to branch out on his own away from Inner Circle. I think he could do so much more without them. So is this the avenue they take? I don't know. But uh, I like what yeah. it's looking like. Because we haven't seen Sammy and Jericho, no. right? And They've I been and I best bet of you buds. this is a match Jericho wants to do. I bet. I, I bet. So yeah, I think you're right here. I think it's going to be, you know, maybe MJF is brought in at the at the end of the segment. Sammy's like, you know, this guy is a loser. And Jericho cuts him off and says, you know, perhaps he's not. He brings in MJF. Sammy's jealous. Mm -hmm. The feud begins and uh, we get a Sammy Jericho. Awesome. At some point. I would love, I would love to see the spot where MJF starts coming out with inner circle. 
coming out to Judas with everybody. And then Sammy takes his spot on Jericho's right, just like he always does. But then he pushes him away or something and then brings MJF in and gets MJF to stand beside him. Like, like right. I think that would be an entertaining spot. I think Sammy could sell that really. Well. It would be entertaining. Um, but yeah, like uh, going back to the jacket, it's just a criticism. Like we can't see the names on TV. He didn't need to sit there and fumble. He could have just played it off, kind of held it up. Oh, yeah, this one's for Hager. There you go, big guy. Yeah, he called Ortiz a big guy. Ortiz is the smallest one next to uh, Sammy. I didn't understand that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he literally could have just pulled one out and started throwing them to people. And then, yeah, there's not one for Sammy. It would have worked just as well. But Yeah, I agree. Sure. I like where this is going. I, I want to see where this heads. Um, and I, I like how Jericho. Look at this picture. Look at the uh, 24 inch pythons on Jericho <laughs> there. That's insane. 30 years, man. Was he flexing during that? Oh, <laughs> during that he, was, he, was, he was sipping his, his bubbly. He was just tight <laughs> the whole time. Doing one of those. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next matchup of the night. We were getting the return of dr Britt baker um i mean we saw her at all out it was kind of a shoddy uh return um i feel like this is true this is a true return to dr Britt baker we get to see her in action and we get to see the talents that she that she has and uh she's going up against uh red velvet here um a great a great jobber for lack of a better term, but she's been working her ass off on dark uh, jobbing out to, to all the bigger names. Red velvet's been killing it. This was an awesome match for, uh, for Britt Baker's return. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I have to apologize here. I, I don't really have any comments on the match. Um, I don't know. For some reason I was just out of it with this one. And I think it was right at the beginning, you had made a comment that, wow, like, Britt Baker looks bigger. I, I felt like I spent the entire match trying to determine whether I thought she was actually bigger. And then commentary actually even, <laughs> even says it a little while later that she's bigger. And I'm like, I had a hard time seeing it. I didn't know if Red Velvet was just a smaller competitor or not, but... Um, maybe you have more insight into this match than I do. Well, I mean, to be honest, I spent the whole time watching Britt Baker trying to decipher if she was bigger or not as well. Because like you said, I made the comment. I, I, I think my exact words is like, is Britt jacked right now or is Red Velvet that small? Because I've been watching Red Velvet go up against Anna Jay and Brandy and, you know, and like these aren't gigantic women by any means, you know, muscular wise or anything like that. They're very, very fit women and they look great and all that stuff. But Britt Baker absolutely dwarfed Red Velvet. Like she looked, it looked like Billy Gunn standing next to X-Pac. If I could put that in, like <laughs> it was a massive difference. You know what I mean? And yeah. Like, she looked amazing. She looked jacked AF. 
And I don't know what the hell could have happened in the three weeks since All Out. Or the four weeks, I should say. But Jesus Christ. I, I'd be scared to see what Adam Cole looks like beside her. <laughs> it was the the wheelchair. Like, did she use the wheelchair everywhere? Yeah, she was selling the wheelchair. Just got that upper so body just jacked. I mean, she looked great. She did look match. different. She did look different for me. And, um, yeah, I mean, I can't say there was a, a lot of spots here to really talk about. No botches. Definitely not. It's very clean. Which, uh, I have to say, in the past... We usually comment on, you know, one or two botches in a Brit match. This was a solid one. And um feel like this one's all about the ending. The after the the match part. What'd you think about the ending here? Um, I don't even know what you're talking about because I felt like this was just pretty standard for for Brit. Uh after the bell, after the one, two, three. There's a little bit of extracurricular activity. She she puts uh, puts Red Velvet in the lockjaw. Reba comes out with the glove. I was kind of expecting something to happen more, I guess. Yeah, I think you said you thought she was going to do the rope thing. The rope? Oh, I thought, yeah. I thought when we were watching it, you said it. Put yeah, her on the so ropes, a while. The curb stomp. Yeah, a while back, uh, she did that to Yuka Sakazaki. She made her bite the bottom rope and then kicked her on the back of the head. And then Yuka was out. She's missing teeth and stuff. And they sold that gimmick. Like I thought they were going to bring that back, but no, she just Reba comes in with the glove and, and, and the lock just performed after the match. I mean, I guess it's, it, it's still solidifying Brit as the heel. You know, I don't follow anybody's, uh, rules but my own kind of thing but um, I was expecting more I was expecting someone to come out and maybe challenge Brit you know what I mean like Big Swole won that match at All Out but Brit's the one getting the spotlight right now so I, f- I feel like that would maybe we'll get another Swole feud I, I, like, I don't know I was expecting a challenge and we just never got anything it was just awkward Yeah, maybe this is a good time to really talk about the women's division. I feel like it's just stalled. Or we're missing those Japanese girls. I, I honestly think. Yeah, the women's division yeah. was just centered on Riho, Yuka, Emi, Sakura. You know what I mean? Like they were the ones really pushing the paces. Um, working with Nyla, working with Statlander, working with Shauna. Um, I said that weird Shanna. You know what I mean? I think we're just missing all the wrestlers. Do you feel like we need to have more than one women's match on a dynamite? Because I feel like we haven't seen Penelope in a while. Um, I mean, she could have wrestled last week, but it feels like it's been a while. Um, you know, Nyla, we only see every now and then, and yeah, she had a part this week, but she didn't have a match. We're not seeing stories progress. Really, all we've gotten 
in the last little while is Brandy and Anna J. Yeah. I agree. I, I think, I think, I don't know about having multiple women's matches. I mean, it would certainly help if, you know, time permitting and everything like that. I just think we need more. We need stories to go along with this because the women's division has really been living on dark and it's not even, they're not even telling stories. They're just really enhancement matches to put the people over who need to be over at this point. So I, I just think we need a really solid women's feud to go to go on dynamite so that we have something to go off of you know um we haven't even seen hikaru shida since i mean i guess we saw that tag team match last week with uh rosa wasn't the greatest but uh i don't know just i think this match just kind of soured everything because it didn't really mean anything we didn't get any progression Sure, Britt's back and she's looking great, but I think someone coming out and, and and challenging would have made all the difference. That it was it would have been a simple three seconds. Or even she cuts a promo. Something. Right. Promo would have been great. And calls uh somebody out. Even that would have been better. But yeah, for sure. For sure. Cody watches our show, so expect next week some story progression. You, you betcha. Brett's getting on the mic next week. All right, let's move on. Um, just before we go to commercial break, we get another um, a reminder that next week, October 7th, on Dynamite, it will be the 30-year anniversary celebration of Le Champion, Chris Jericho. They have a Dynamite, no pun intended, but a Dynamite show lined up for Dynamite. That sounded weird. I regret saying that. Um, we got uh, the aforementioned Jericho and Hager versus Chaos Project being Luther and Serpentico. We got Brian Cage versus Will Hobbs. Brody Lee versus Cody for the TNT Championship in a dog collar match. Each competitor will be tied to one another with a dog collar around their neck. And uh, they're not even doing a strap. It's not a rope. It's a freaking chain. It's going to be deadly. Can't wait for that match. I can't even remember the last time I've seen a match like this. (laughs) Uh, I would say like JBL and Eddie Guerrero. They used to have those fucking bullwhip matches or whatever back in the early 2000s. That's about the last I can remember. Um, As well, this should be uh, Mox versus Archer for the AEW Championship, I think was also announced. So huge show. Um, I think as well since since Dynamite they announced another match. I think FTR is going to be in action. I'm assuming against like best friends or something, but I can't remember uh, for sure. So don't take my word on it. But I I can pretty much guarantee that uh, FTR is going to be in action next week too. So it's going to be a huge show next week. I I can't wait. It's like pay per view worthy Dynamite next week. So make sure you're tuning in on TNT or TSN up here in Canada. Get those ratings up. As we come back from commercial, or just before we go to commercial, actually, we we have uh, Eddie Kingston come out with the Lucha Brothers. Um, it cuts to commercial. Uh, Kingston's got Bryce Remsburg by the neck, and he's pretending to be all buddy-buddy with him. But when we come back from commercial, uh, the promo king, is as I'm going to call him, cuts a promo on poor little Bryce here and uh, calls him out for... Uh, 
calling the match a little too early uh, on him last week uh, in his AEW Championship match. Um, what are your thoughts on where Kingston's character is going after his uh, championship match last week? I like that he's still keeping this going. The whole, uh, you know, I didn't, uh, Wasn't I didn't eliminated. get knocked out of the battle royal. Yeah. Now he didn't tap out. He didn't say he quit. You know, we've always commented on Remsburg trying to get himself over with the crowd and Here's your chance, bud. You know, you're in the ring. He even cuts a little bit of a promo here. I thought the whole segment was done really well. And I'm going to give props to Remsburg. I thought he he handled it correctly. And he's like, hey, I'm just doing my job. And uh, you weren't able to protect yourself. So I called you on it. Yeah. I've, I've, I hate Remsburg. I've hated him <laughs> since day one. <laughs> And, and, and I mean, I got it. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. He, this is how refs are supposed to act in these situations. You know what I mean? He didn't do anything to try to get himself over here. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. I called the match, how you were unresponsive. What was I supposed to do? I had your safety in mind. We go way back kind of thing. Maybe he did try to get himself over. He was, he was going a little, Anyways, but, you know, I, I enjoyed what Bryce did here. Um, I'll give him another chance maybe, but uh, <laughs> I swear to God, if he if he has his back turned to something shady and then turns around and is like, hey, what's going on here? Like, no, you didn't see it. You have nothing to react to. Stop it. You know what? I, I think what would have made this segment bad, so we should mention here that so Remsburg talks back to Kingston and then Kingston's like, all right, if that's how you feel, let's go boys. And he calls the Lucha brothers to attack Remsburg. Now, if he would have took a bump here, then that's too much. Right. He didn't need to take a bump here and they didn't do it. Right. So I think that was all good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I mean, this promo is all leading into, um, it was announced or I think it was even earlier this week that, uh, the main event for dynamite was going to be John Moxley putting up the AEW championship up against a competitor of Kingston's choosing. And I mean, he calls out John Moxley Moxley comes out with the barbed wire bat, uh, which was an awesome callback to, uh, you know, Dean Ambrose really, um, it was uh, the lead up to the uh, Ambrose Asylum match with Jericho and Mick Foley like gifts Cactus Jack's barbed wire bat to Ambrose. So, I mean, I thought it was a cool little callback that Moxley's coming out with this barbed wire bat. Um, I just call him Ambrose. I'm sorry, Moxley. Moxley. I, I got confused in the vanilla <laughs> swirl that I just talked about there. But uh, I like that Moxley comes out with the barbed wire bat. Um, brings it in. Uh, the three of them scatter, and then uh, Kingston, still on the mic, says, you know, basically saying how what's going to happen, and then he gets to choose who he's going to face, but it's not going to be Penta, it's not going to be Ray, and then Big Butcher kind of comes up from the shadows, and, and he's standing behind him, and we get that really cool shot, and... Uh, you know, Moxley, the way he like turns around, he kind of feels the presence behind him and uh, 
Kingston, Ramsburg, ring that bell, brother. And, uh, you know, they get right into it. Uh, I thought that whole, just this whole lead up into this match is really great. And then we get a really solid, hard-hitting match to close out the show. Um, I really enjoyed this match. Uh, <clears throat> you mentioned that uh, Butcher and the Blade were on uh, Unrestricted this week, and we got to hear some of his... Uh, uh, Butcher's past and and Lee, and how he got into wrestling and stuff like that. This guy's only been in the ring for five years, and uh, if you were to ask me how much experience this guy had, I would have gave him at least ten. Like he is way beyond his years. Um, this was a great match. Yeah, he they're they're, uh, they're New York guys, and uh, they talk about um, uh, the the New York wrestling scene and. A lot of the guys are actually bringing in here as jobbers. Uh, Puff, they mentioned. Um, oh, yeah. Is it Blackmore and or Blackwood and Garcia? Those guys are all. They're all New York boys. They're all brought in by uh, the Butcher and the Blade. And um, yeah, it's uh, go check out Unrestricted. It's a really good podcast um, with the Butcher and the Blade. Um, I, I personally wasn't into this match and I don't think it, it had anything to do with the actual match. I think I was just, I was just tired, uh, from the, from the work day and, uh, you know, it's getting towards nine o'clock here, central time. And, um, yeah, nothing bad. I, I thought it was, a the type of match that John Moxley likes to have, and that is aggressive, hard hitting, and and the butcher was the perfect person to use here Mm -hmm. and as you're kind of introducing this i'm like i don't even know how i didn't even guess being that butcher and the blade are not even out there with kingston at the beginning of this promo so it kind of had to be one of those guys right yeah almost yeah so so yeah, um, yeah, not a. It wasn't a bad match. Uh, these guys are not real big spot guys, anyways. But yeah, a good way to end the show. <clears throat> I've said in the past, and I don't know if I've said it on the show here. I might have said it really early on in some of those uh, early, early pilot episodes that we put together. But uh, the championship match is not supposed to be the flashy match. The championship match is supposed to be the wrestling match. And that's what this was. It was a wrestling match. Maybe wrestling matches aren't the most entertaining things in the world. They can get kind of stale and 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 repetitive, you know. Chop here, punch there, bulldog here. You know, the, the cliche kind of moves of, of the early 70s and 80s. But these two guys doing that style of wrestling it just makes sense because they're both big they're both strong they you just feel every shot that they take it's not like two like when the young bucks chop penta and and ray phoenix you don't really feel that because you're expecting them to do crazy flips and stuff like that but when these two guys hit each other like you feel it and and that's what wrestling's all about and uh that's what I enjoyed about this match you just felt everything we did get to see a couple of big spots like I mean I saw the butcher do this top rope cross body 
know, it's not the hugest spot in the world, but for a big guy like that, it's a pretty big spot. And uh, yeah, it was. I, I was. I was entertained by this match. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, John Moxley uh, takes the win, chokes out, uh, chokes out the butcher with the bulldog choke, just like he did Kingston the week before. Um, I can't remember. Did did Butcher tap? Or did he get called again? Can't remember. I I don't even remember. I <laughs> you saying that he did the bulldog choke? I don't remember that. Did I think? Did I go for a piss or something? <laughs> maybe. Maybe I didn't see the end of the show. I I don't even remember. Um. Yeah, I think I was a zombie at that point. But yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm 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 thinking he tapped. I can't him. see him tapping. Oh really? Did you say he tapped? I'm pretty sure he did because the whole thing was um, the whole thing with uh, Kingston's he was talking about this bulldog choke and stuff like that and I think there was some talk afterwards about it too I really can't remember honestly that's kind of a horrible thing to say at the end of the show here but uh, God, I feel like he choked him out anyways it is what it is Moxley retains He's still the champ of course um, I'm hoping that uh, this Archer Moxley match happens. If it's not next week, the week the week after, um, I, I like I said, we saw this match in New Japan for the United States uh, Championship, the IWGP United States Championship. It was awesome. I think these guys can really put on a show. I hope it happens. That's all I can say. Yeah, for sure. I I mean, we've been building to it, and. Um... Hopefully we get the payoff to it. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, uh, that was a great show this week. Uh, we had a lot to get through as always. Um, like I said, this was a complete 180 from the week before. Uh, I mean, the name of our episode last meet last week was dynamite bunk AF. Like honestly, the worst episode of dynamite uh, I've ever watched. We've seen about 52 of them now. Um, we're covering our 33rd in a row this week. So, I mean, I feel like, I feel like we have somewhat of the credentials to, to make that statement, but got to give credit where credit was due, man. They made a 180. This was an amazing episode. It was really good. Um, and I mean, next week's looking like it's going to be a banger as well. So I can't wait. Yeah. High expectations for next week. <clears throat> you, yeah, you, you can't just, uh, uh, you know, put a delicious looking pie on the windowsill like that and then have it taste like shit. So, you know, AW's got to bring it next week. Where am I getting these analogies from? I have no idea. Because <laughs> we're talking about The Rock. I guess so. I had about pie. pie. Oh, how good was The Rock back in the day? Didn't All right. <laughs> Thanks for watching, everybody on YouTube. Leave your comments below. Make sure you like and subscribe. For everybody listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the rest, make sure you're subscribed. Leave us a five-star rating and all that good jazz. Help us get promoted. We're we're about 30 rows down on the Spotify five list right now. So the more subs we get, the more five-star ratings you get, the higher up we'll get, the more views and listens we'll get, and uh, it'll help the podcast out a bunch. So uh, thanks again for watching. All that good stuff. Peace out. Go fuck yourself, Cornette. Peace.